you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis, the first chapter. skip around in this uh, first 31 verses not going to read all those verses somebody say thank the Lord it's a lot of verses what I've come to learn about God is that he is a creative type he's a creative creative mind He's a maker, a creator, a renewer, a restorer. He sees the beauty that lies in what others deem ugly. He sees the value in something that somebody else thinks is worthless. And I've come to learn that he makes beautiful things. He makes beautiful things. Genesis chapter 1, if we look at verse number 1... In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there it was. There was light. He saw the light, and the Bible says that he saw it, and, and it was good. It was good. He went on in verse number six, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. Then God made the firmament, and he divided the waters which were under the firmament and the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Verse number nine, and God said again, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And verse 10, and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he the seas. And God saw it and it was good. It's good. Verse 11, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass. So we go to verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass. And it ends with, and God saw that it was good. Verse 14, and God said. Verse 16, and God made. Verse 18, at the end it said, and God saw it and it was good. Verse 20, and God said. Verse 21, and God created. And at the end of that verse, and God saw it, and it was good. Verse 24, and God said. Verse 25, and God saw that it was good. Verse 26, and God said. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Let's, let's finish out this, this section here. And so God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the earth and over every living creature that moveth upon the earth. And 
God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for me. To every beast of the earth, to every fowl in the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, and I've given you every green herb for meat. And verse 31, And he saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very, very good. No, it wasn't until he made you that he said this was very good. Everything else was okay. Everything else was good. Everything else was, it was good. But then when he made you, when he created you, when he formed you, he said, now this, this is very good. This is very good. I'm going to talk to you just for a few moments tonight on the artist and his masterpiece. The artist and his masterpiece. Can you lift up your hands and your voices to the heavens all across the room? Father, we love you today. We give you praise. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you speak to hearts today. I pray you speak to lives in this room. God, remind somebody how much you love them. Remind somebody in this room how much you value them, how much you care for them. You are the artist. We are the clay. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's amazing to watch the way an artist can create things out of nothing. For instance, the way a painter can take a paintbrush to a blank canvas, starting with just one line and ending with a beautiful masterpiece of a sunrise or the scene of a dramatic thunderstorm. What began as just a white texture is now the home of an imagination that couldn't be expressed by that artist in any other way. He takes his time is very careful and very particular. He pays attention to the shading and the shadows and the highlights. He adds color to bring the painting to life, the reds and the blues, the yellows and the greens. When he's all done, hopefully that artist can look back at his work and say, this this was good. Or in music, a composer who takes a blank piece of staff paper and begins drawing little circles with lines connected to them, sitting at a piano, listening carefully to every chord that he plays, trying the same chord in different variations until he hears the sound that expresses the emotion or feeling that he has inside. Connected with that is the lyricist who poetically crafts the engaging lyrics that bring tears to the listener's eyes. And when finally, after all the hours of creating, after they finally completed their work, hopefully the artists can look back at their composition and say, this is good. This is exactly what God did. He took a blank canvas or a blank sheet of staff paper, and he created a masterpiece. He took the nothing and he filled it with everything. He lit the sky with the sun and he brightened the night with the stars. And he used colors to create all the beauties of the world. Green for the trees and the grass and blue for the endless oceans and skies. He created motion in the wind and brought movement with the animals. And at the end of it all, the creator was able to say, this is good. 
Five times in this chapter did God say his creation was good. But it wasn't until after he created man that he said something a little bit different. He said, now this is very good. Up until this point, he created everything else simply by speaking to it. But when it came to forming man, when it came to forming you, he did it a little differently. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God formed man and then breathed life in him, and man became a living soul. It was you tonight. It was you that caused God to stop and say, that's it. This is it. It's no longer just good. Now this is very good. Out of all of the amazing things God created, all the beautiful brushstrokes in his masterpiece, it was you that caused him to stop and say, this is very, very good. To him, the stars were good. To him, the sun was good. The oceans and the seas were good. But you, you were very, very good. You were very good. And though sin became the divider between God and his most favorite creation, he never stopped finding you as very good. Many of us, we struggle understanding how a God so perfect could love something that was once a masterpiece, but now is just some torn canvas. But the truth is, in his eyes, no matter how torn you've become and no matter how dissonant of a sound your life has made, he still looks at you and sees you as very good. You see, he makes beautiful things. And when he made you, he didn't make you any less beautiful than what he made everything else. Understand tonight, he made you more beautiful. You may wake up each morning wondering, what's my purpose? You may look in the mirror wondering, what happened to my life? And I'm here to tell somebody, God didn't create you to be some torn canvas that gets laid out by the side of the road. But God called you to be a beautiful masterpiece. And that's exactly what he will create in you if you let him. And see, that's the important part. If you let him. Psalm 51 is a really awesome chapter in the Bible. The psalmist describes himself as what I consider a torn canvas. A canvas with messy lines. And In verse 1, he asks God to blot out his transgressions. In verse 2, he says, wash from me my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. In verse 3 and 4, he acknowledges the sin in his life. And in verse 5, he says, I was born into sin. And Going down to verse 7, the writer says, purge me and again wash me. And it's all about this torn canvas or should I say this broken spirit. And finally, in verse number 10, the psalmist writes the famous words, create in me 
clean heart, oh God. Renew in me a right spirit. Now, while David said create in me, he's referring to being recreated. It was implied by these verses that we just talked about. What uh, had become just a messy canvas was now in need of God to remake him into what God wanted his life to be. And like David, sometimes our lives are at that point where we are in desperate need to be recreated. Where we say, God, just start over with me. I'm this messy, scratched up canvas in need of becoming something new. I'm just a piece of staff paper with notes in the wrong keys and in the wrong places. And I need you to recompose me, recreate me, start over with me and make me what you want me to be without the wrong notes that I've made, without the wrong lines I've created. Make me what you want me to be. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and bless the Lord all across the room. Say, oh Lord, make me what you want me to be. Create in me, God, a clean heart. weaved throughout this chapter here in Psalm 51, David tells God how he wants to be recreated. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness. He says, make my broken bones rejoice. He says, restore the joy of your salvation. Lift me up. Deliver me. Open my lips so I can show forth your praises. You see, David got to a point in his life where he needed a fresh start. God, remake me. Clear the canvas. Clear the composition and make me new. Make me new with your characteristics. What David realized that some of us struggle to see is that the life in which we've grown accustomed to live isn't always the life God has designed for us to live. Some of us just learn to accept the pain we feel every single day. Some of us just learn to accept the depression that we deal with and we battle every single night. Many of us live constantly in a battle with sin. Many of us have uh, just accepted the fact we'll always be sick and we never speak faith anymore. But what David is trying to reveal to us in this passage is that while you may feel as as if your life is nothing more than a canvas filled with mess see lines and skewed colors you don't have to stay that way you don't have to stay that way you may feel like life life is nothing more than a bunch of scattered notes on a piece of paper but God's trying to tell somebody tonight your life doesn't have to stay that way he's got a beautiful masterpiece in mind for you Remember, it was you that caused God to stop and say, this is very good. Lift your hands and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hey. Hey. Second Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You aren't defined by your past. You're not defined by who you used to be. If anything, when he recreates you, maybe he takes some of your past 
and he uses it to paint your future a little bit brighter. Maybe he uses your testimony to add character to the cord that he composed for your life. He doesn't just throw you away because of messy lines. He says, no, this is the perfect canvas. This is perfect for me to make a masterpiece out of. This is the perfect piece for me to make something beautiful with. Ezekiel 36 and 26, a new heart also I will give you, a new spirit I will put within you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sin have quickened us together with Christ. He took what was dead and lifeless and created something new and full of life. What stands to make his composition so beautiful is when we consider that this story, this is a story of reconciliation between the creator and his most prized creation. When sin stood in between God and man, God's love for you ran so deep that he willingly laid down his life for you and for me. There was nothing that would stop him from doing everything he could to get your attention you mean that much to him I mean that much to him and it was through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we find out in Romans 8 and 15 you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear this verse such a powerful verse sometimes we misunderstand this verse this verse while it does encompass fear it's not just talking about fear on its own it's bigger than that another translation said for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba Father you didn't receive the spirit of slavery that causes you to have fear but the creation has been adopted by the creator through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ the curse of sin was broken Now when a person whose life has become but a messy or torn canvas comes running back to the artist, they can lift up their voice and say, create in me a clean heart. Through the act of desperation, God takes that bondage, that spirit of slavery, that mess, those tears, all the rips, all the tears, and he begins to paint over the mess, and he begins to start over, and he begins to work, and he says, this is perfect. A perfect canvas for something beautiful. And then he begins to create it with his characteristics. Galatians 5 and 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Galatians 3 or Colossians 3 and 10. And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image. Of him that created him. 
verse 12, put on therefore as the elect, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering and forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And he just goes on and adds all these things. And what am I reading to you? I'm reading to you the new man God is creating for you to be. Take what you have that is messy and dissonant or marred and watch as the creator puts together a masterpiece. Watch as he begins to write the most beautiful symphony for your life. He builds you with love so that you can love the people around you, so you could be the light of Jesus everywhere you go. He builds you with joy so you can live with a smile on your face, not, not down and out all the time, not discouraged all the time, but joyful and shouting the victory, encouraged. He's creating you with peace so that when the storms of life rage against you and come against your house, you can rest within the peace he's created in you. He's creating you with long suffering. In other words, patience in the most difficult times of your life. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. He's creating you with holiness. Why? Because without holiness, no man can see the Lord. It's through holiness you access the presence of God. He's creating you with mercy because this relationship is based on mercy. He's creating you with humility. That passage goes on, charity, forgiveness, wisdom. What are you saying? I'm saying God makes beautiful things. And what he makes in you is enough for him to stop and say, this is very, very good. Oscar Wilde, author, said every portrait that is painted with feeling is a portrait of the artist, not of the sitter. Understand when God begins to create in your life, he's not creating you for your glory. But he's creating you to reflect him and his glory. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Psalm 50 and 2, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. In his presence is the perfection of beauty. That's where God changes and he molds you and he forms you. And when he's all done, he shines. It's not about you. It's not about your past. It's not about the places you've been, the things you've done, the good or the bad in your life. It's not about you or me at all. It's, it's all about him and his glory. It's about him shining through your life and reflecting him above everything else. So when you're going through the storm, you can rest assured it's not about me. This storm is about him. He's just painting something beautiful in me right now. He's just about to get some glory in my life right now. When you're dealing with the doctor's reports, that's okay. I've got joy because I know this isn't about me. It's about him and his glory. He makes beautiful things. I think about the potter. Jeremiah chapter 18. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, verse number two, arise. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Like how another translation says this. 
God told Jeremiah, up on your feet, go to the potter's house. When you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. So I went to the potter's house, and sure enough, the potter was there, working away at his wheel. Whenever the pot, whenever the pot the potter was working on turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you're working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use the same clay to make another pot. Revelation 21 says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 4, and the former things were passed away. Verse 5, and he sat upon the throne and said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write that. These words are true and faithful. Isaiah 43 and 19, behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth and you'll know it not. This people have I formed for myself and they will show my praises. God's a maker, a creator, a restorer, a renewer. He repurposes and he changes. Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. Go down there, and when you get there, I've got something to say. Lord, here I am. Verse number four, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Not by the hand of the potter. In the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. The word marred here in the Hebrew is shakoth, which means a corrupt thing, ruined, spoiled, wasted. To me, I think you take that clay. If it's ruined, you throw it away. If it's not good anymore, if it's spoiled, if it's corrupted, if it's wasted, it's good for nothing. I think just throw it away and never use it again. Writing music, I love to write music. I love to write worship music. And I, 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 I can look back and, and see myself sitting at the piano with a pen and a paper. And I start to write a song. And I realize that's horrible. So I crumple up the paper. And I throw it away. And I start writing again. And I realize that's terrible. I crumple it up. Throw it over my shoulder. This song's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. I crumple it up and I throw it away because it's trash. But that's not what God does. It blows my mind what God decides not to do with the marred clay. Here's what he doesn't do. This has been through too much. I don't need it. It's contaminated too much. It's too dry. It's a wasted piece. It's not good enough. I can't use it. I can't make anything with it. I can't create with this. No, he doesn't do any of that. What the Bible says is he takes that marred piece of clay and he starts over again. He takes it and he breaks it and he says, I can still do something with this. Listen, there's nothing you can do. There's no place you can go too far that would cause God to say, throw him away. There's nothing you can do that can stop God to, in his tracks and say, he's not worth it. She's not worth it. No. Why? Because to him, there is value still left in you. You have worth. You are loved. You are desired by the potter. Lift your hands and your voices all across the room. If you came to him as marred clay.
and he didn't throw you away and he didn't say I'm giving up on you and he didn't pass you to the side but instead he said you know what I see something in you I see something worth keeping I see something worth molding I see a masterpiece in the making Oh God, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the things in my life. You don't know what I've said to people. You don't know the struggles I deal with, the insecurities that go on in my everyday. You don't understand, God. There's nothing in me you need. There's nothing. Start over with somebody else. Oh, but God says no. He says there's a masterpiece waiting to be formed in you. He says, I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm just getting started. Lift up your hands and your voices. And the vessel he made was marred. In the hand of the parter, marred in, not by, through imperfections, through tragedies, through failures, hurts, wounds, scars, through all the marring, the tearing, the breaking, the disappointments, the sins, the times I walked away from him. Through all of those moments, I was marred in his hands. You know what that tells me? That tells me he never let me go. All the times I spat in his face. All the times I said, God, I'm going to just do it my way. All the times I lived in my imperfections. He said, I still got you in my head. I've still got you right here in my hand. And I'm not letting you go now. And I'm not letting you go ever. You're a masterpiece. And if I've got to, I'm going to start over with the same piece of clay. I'm going to start over with all those imperfections. And I'm going to use your testimony for something beautiful. Hallelujah. Because he loves you. Because you stopped him and he said this was very good. The stars good, the moon good. But you, in your failure, you, in your imperfection, you are very good. But God, no, 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 you're very good. Think of the prodigal. prodigal he asks for his inheritance goes to his dad says dad give me give me my inheritance and he takes it and he just runs out you know you don't just wake up one day and decide to do that we always start at the end of this passage but somewhere there was a beginning you don't just wake up one morning when everything is going well and you ask for your inheritance, and you leave all that you know, all your family, all those who love you, that just doesn't hit you and you just do that. 
something had to happen long before he ever asked for his inheritance. Something had to have built up week after week that disconnected him from the family. That disconnected him from his father. I get to see him sitting at family dinners, frustrated, hurting, sitting in the presence of his father, broken, wounded, hurt, marred, upset, frustrated. Maybe he's upset at the father. Maybe he's upset at the brothers. Maybe he's upset at his family. Something divided him from his family. Something divided him from his father. He was at rock bottom way before he ever left. He says to himself, I'm just going to take what I have and I'm going to go. I wonder how many people sit in the Father's presence, marred, frustrated, hurt, wounded, divided. Week after week, I've seen too many times someone say, God, why did that happen? Why did this have to happen in my life? They lose a spouse. They lost a child. See these moments and they come and they sit. How many people are sitting in the presence of God marred, broken? And one day it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And then finally, God, I I just want my inheritance. I'm going. How often does it happen we're in the presence of our father disconnected, marred, broken, torn canvas? He says, give it to me. He goes. He spends it all quickly. That's how you know that the problem started at home. Then finally he spends it all and he says, well, if I could just get back home, just be a servant. I know then I'll be okay. And just to be a servant, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm just not worthy. I've done too much. I've divided from my father. There's so many people, even watching our live streams, who they don't feel like they can come back. Because they feel like they've gone too far. God, I divided from you, and I'm, I'm not worthy to be back in your home. I'm not worthy to be back at the table. I'm not worthy. Oh, but it's so beautiful. The Bible said the father looked out. For him to look out, that means it became something he did every day. He's looking out. No, not, not yet. Son, are you coming home? No, no. Son, are you coming home? No, no, no. Finally, one day, here comes the son. The father's at the door. He sees him and he goes running to them. Running. It's so beautiful because there's nothing. There's no tear in a canvas. There's no bad note on a, on a piece of staff paper. There's no marred clay. There's no sin. There's no struggle. There's no pain. There's no brokenness. There's no heart too shattered that God can't restore. He says, this is my masterpiece. 
legs and he comes running and he runs to the father and the father's running to him. He throws the robe on him. He says, welcome back into the family. It's not a servant. He's my son. She's my daughter. You see, who you think you are isn't who the father says you are. Who the enemy says you are isn't who the father says you are. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things passed away. Behold, all things are new. For we are workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Listen, he's forming you. He's shaping you. Romans 8, 14 and 19. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but they've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. For the spirit itself beareth witness for our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him that we may also uh, be glorified together for I reckon. That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm his, all his, and he loves me, and he loves you, and he's not done with you, and he hasn't given up on you, and he hasn't forgotten about you. The whole time you've been marred and scarred and broken and wounded, he's kept you on the wheel, and he's kept you in his hand. Zephaniah 3 and 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee in singing. What song is he singing over me tonight? What song is he singing over you tonight? Is it the song of the redeemed? Is it the song of the redeemed? What's he singing over you? 1 John 4 and 19, we love him because he first loved us. Max Lucado said, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. I'm marred, I'm imperfect, but he uses the same clay and he makes me new. Stand with me tonight. Can you lift up your hands and your voices all across the room today? Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We worship you today. We worship you today. Hallelujah. God isn't interested in repairing you tonight. He wants to break it all down and start over with the same clay. Make something new. You can't take a broken bowl and put it back exactly how it was. Never get all the pieces. It won't ever be as strong as it was when it was in its original state. It won't hold the value that it had before. You could take a car that was in an accident. You can repair the broken pieces, make it like new, but it will never be worth what it was before the accident. God's not interested in just repairing. Repairing you to a place where you aren't as strong as you should be. 
where you weren't as whole as you should be, where you're not as worth as much as you should be. He said, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. Can I make a call to somebody tonight? Your past isn't who you are. That's not your worth. It's not your value. I used to collect basketball cards, and there were price guides. The value of a card is determined by two things. One, who the person is and its current condition. Can I tell you how God differs from a basketball card price guide? To him, your value is just determined on, on who you are, not your condition. Your current condition doesn't change how he values you. It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, the baggage you bring, the ghost in your closet, the things that live in your past and the shadows that follow you wherever you go. You are worth to him a death on a cross. And nothing will ever change that. Nothing can change the way that he values you. If you would close your eyes, lift your hands. Tonight, I dare you to take what's marred and broken and wounded and hurting and you let him start over with the same clay. Let him make you new tonight. Let him create without the brokenness and the scars, without the imperfection. He, he loves you and he's reaching for you tonight. He's never stopped calling you. He's never stopped loving you. He's never walked away. He's never taken his hands off the potter's wheel. Whatever happened to disconnect you from the Father, from His love, listen, He'll never look at you as a servant or an outcast. He'll always look at you as His son, as His daughter. Don't let life, don't live life behind a fake smile and a hurting heart. Let the Maker start something new in you tonight.